We're going to look at 1 Peter 1, 22-25 one more time, and especially focus on the relationship between loving one another earnestly from a pure heart and the new birth. So, Father, I pray that as we ponder the new birth and how it comes about and what Peter is focusing on in particular in it and its relationship to earnest, heartfelt love of fellow believers, that you would make this not only clear but powerful and real in our lives. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly. That's the main command. From a pure heart. Since you have been born again. So there's a strong connection between you've been born again, therefore love one another. Not you've been born you've been born again of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass. This is a quote now from Isaiah 40, 6 through 8. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And then he interprets what the word is. This word is the good news, the gospel, that was preached to you. So love comes about through being born again. Now the first thing I think we should do to see how that works is to contrast what is said about the new birth here in 123 with what was with what was said back in chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So here he is giving a support or foundation for the new birth in the historical reality of the resurrection. And he said, born again, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to a living hope. And in 123, he says, born again through the living and abiding word of God. Now, the, the difference is that there he was stressing what had been done in history so that through the new birth we could have we could have a living hope. And here he's stressing how the word itself, the gospel, this word is the good news preached to you. When it comes to you, God powerfully causes a change in you through the word. So this is not uh, pointing to a cause of the new birth in the distant past in history, but rather a cause of the new birth as it is being performed by God himself through the word here and now. That's the difference. But, but my question is, is it, is it really all contrast between 1, 3, and 1, 23? Because back there, it said 
We are, we are born again to a living hope. A living hope. Born again to a living hope. Clearly, the new birth gives rise to a dynamic, living, subjective, powerful emotion in us called hope. Now, why here does Paul, I mean Peter, <laughs> say, you have been born again not of perishable, not of perishable seed, but imperishable? Why would he say that? What are we supposed to feel and think about our new birth when he says that? Aren't we supposed to feel this, this seed that has come into me, that has brought me into being as a newborn infant, is imperishable, which means I'm imperishable, which means I have hope. So there's not a big difference between 1.3 and 1.23 in what note is being struck in regard to hope. And then he says it again, through the living and abiding word of God. And that's so important to him that he strikes out with Isaiah 40 to see the contrast between all flesh. All flesh is like grass. It's glory. Even, the, even those beautiful glories of, of human productivity are like merely the beautiful flowers of grass. The grass withers and all of that uh, flower and glory falls, but in great contrast to what flesh can do, the Word of God remains forever. It is abiding, remains forever. So the seed that causes us to be born again is imperishable. The Word that causes us to be, or through which we are born uh, again, is abiding and remains forever. And that good news, that word is the good news. So the good news carries in it a, a forever remaining and abiding power so that when we are, we are born through it, we have invincible hope. And when this seed causes us to come into being, it too is imperishable, and so we have invincible hope. Now, frankly, I am not sure whether the seed here, not of perishable seed are we born, but imperishable, is the Holy Spirit, and the Word is distinct from the seed, or whether the Word is the seed. And maybe, I mean, in either case, the same point is being made. The Spirit, by the Word, causes us to be born again in such a way that we have an invincible hope. Or maybe in calling the Word of God living, he's drawing attention to the fact that it is a Spirit-empowered Word. It's not a dead word. It is a spirit-empowered and eternal word, the gospel, so that when it lands on us and the spirit gives life through the word to us and we are born again, we will never, ever perish. So the upshot of this unit here is to say that loving one another flows from 
that about the new birth, which is emphasized here, namely hope. And that's what we saw earlier in 113, 113 following, namely hopefully in the grace that is being brought to you. And as obedient children, be holy in all your conduct. And I'm arguing in this text that being holy is fleshed out here by loving one another earnestly, and it is rooted precisely in hope. God caused us to be born again in such a way that we experience a living and invincible hope. And out of that hope flows love. And you know that's the way it is. If we are feeling discouraged and self-preoccupied and all worried about our future, we don't have any resources to love other people. But if our hope is secure, our future is safe, it is, if there's an all-satisfying inheritance coming our way because we have been born by an imperishable seed and an, an abiding word, then we are the freest of all people and should be the ones who love best.